Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I am your venerable host, as always, that guy named John. You can find the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Go to the website abouttoreview.com for all of the show notes and details. Support the show by going to that same website, clicking the support tab. You can also go on abouttoreview.threadless.com, buy a shirt, buy a mug, uh, which is one of the new pictures that is up on social media. Go buy an iPhone case, bunch of other stuff. On today's episode, I'm joined, uh, not in the studio. I'm actually staring at a blank wall right now because somebody does not have a video camera on their end. Oh, oh, I do. It's just not on. Ugh, rude. <laughs> uh, I'm joined once again by Tim Hall, the People's Critic. What's up, everybody? I am laying on my couch relaxing right now. It's a good time. <laughs> not, uh, and not, not that your studio is not relaxing, but this is what I'm doing right now. I'm I'm kind of watching basketball. and kind of not. Fair enough. It is the so early in the season. It is not as bad as baseball season when five games in and they're like, so far, the Mariners are the top of the man. Shut up, talk to me. Hey, the like, Mariners, are, the Mariners are leading the AOS. I'm like, yeah, we're 20 games in, guys. Come 20 on, games in out of 120 something, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so first, I will apologize, dear listeners. Uh, this is not dropping on Wednesday. There has been some technical difficulties recently, uh, but we, I wanted to make sure to put out a show this week. So Tim is kind enough to to skype into the show with only audio and not video so i'm left alone in the studio staring at a wall uh but (laughs) i'm there i'm there in spirit man i I appreciate that before we get into that uh we have to listen to the amazing brand new only two weeks old technically (laughs) uh brand new theme song which is dropping right now Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Uh, seriously, I love that new theme song. It's a good theme song. It is awesome. Yeah, it's a good theme song. Uh, I need my I need my own theme song. I'm thinking about it now. Like oh. Whenever I'm on, just have like an intro music for me specifically. <laughs> uh, that would be all right if you could do that. Uh, I think there's somebody that you could talk to about that. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about it. Uh, if only Uh-oh. his name was Damien Randall of Ill Mannered <laughs> Media who created that song that you just heard, listeners. So, uh, basically... Yeah. Uh, yeah, this week was kind of crazy. Last week, I did see two new movies, but due to embargoes, I cannot talk about them for another, like, four weeks. So, Did you enjoy those two new movies? I cannot say. <laughs> you, no one knows what you saw. Like, I don't even, oh. I don't even know what you saw. Oh, yeah, so yeah. No one I knows get... what you saw, but what out of what you saw, did you enjoy them? Hmm. Uh, the one that I will be able to talk about sooner... I enjoyed less than the one that I will be able to talk about later. Okay. So overall it was they, they were both interesting. One Uh-oh. of them that's not a ring endorsement, <laughs> my friend. Yeah, one of them I was not very impressed with at all, which really surprised me. Oh no. One I did actually like quite a bit, 
but it also left me a little bit disappointed. So you're talking about Daddy's Home 2, right? I can either confirm nor deny <laughs> <laughs> that it was Daddy's Home 2. Uh, no, I absolutely did not see that. How many emails did we get about that? I feel like it was three <laughs> that were like, hey, reminder, just in just case. Man, nobody wants to see that. You know what's funny? Not funny, but what's interesting is with this whole Weinstein thing, like, it's going to be tougher to push a Mel Gibson project in yes. this climate. It's, <laughs> it's difficult. People are going to be like, hold up. I remember you from your uh, your your racist, homophobic mm-hmm. rants and you know anti-Semitic sort of like craziness happening. Like it wasn't that long ago. It really was not. So yeah, we we will see. Uh, the movie. I mean, it does look kind of funny, but there is no reason for me to go to a theater and watch that movie. Yeah. If it is on Netflix, I might watch it like a year from now. But I have. Almost zero desire to see it. Oh, I have zero desire to to, to see it, and I like <laughs> Will Ferrell a lot. And I yeah. just was like, eh, I'm I'm gonna pass for now. I'll watch it at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, but anyway, so this is dropping a little bit later than the normal. Uh, when I put it out on Twitter that it was dropping later, I got a few different responses of people who are really sad. Uh, that was nice to kind of see. It was like, oh. People do listen to this. I seriously, Tim and I have talked about it before. I really feel like sometimes I am just doing this and putting it out there. And then every now and then I re- I get reminded when I get an email or something like, hey, I really enjoyed your interview with so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, wait, people listen to this? Like, it is still weird to me. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So uh, someone stopped me the other day and was like, yeah, you know, so I'll listen to you guys talk about something. And I was like, wait, I, I was like, wait, how did you hear that? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's on a, <laughs> right. it's on a podcast. And they'd be like, you weren't there. You weren't in the room with us. And I was like, oh, it's on a podcast. It goes out to people. That's how you heard it. Yeah. Got you. Still yeah, kind of bizarre. Uh, on <laughs> So for this week's episode, uh, it is going to be a little bit shorter, a little bit different, because Tim and I have only seen one movie uh, together that we can actually talk about. Uh, before we get in to the review of Murder on the Orient Express, a couple news items that I wanted to to talk about, uh, one of which is less a news item and more of a just shout out. I have talked about it before, but the Seattle 48-hour horror film project is this Sunday uh, at like 3 p.m. Central Cinema. So to any of my local Seattle listeners, definitely go and check them out. I will be there doing some interviews. Uh, I powered through 34 uh, local horror shorts recently, short films. Uh, That was a lot. Even though they were all like seven minutes and under, 34 short films, it it was pretty crazy. And it was horror, which also makes it interesting. If it were like 34 comedy films... Yeah, like a little bit different. (laughs) How do you differ between the two? It just just, uh, reminds me of like going to like Nordstrom and smelling a bunch of colognes. At a certain point, like they all start to smell the same. Yeah, well, and also what makes it difficult is all of the films are required to have three elements. So they have to have a character named either Hans or Hannah Bridgeport, who is a nurse. They have to include a prop, which this year was a clothespin, and they have to include a line of dialogue. Which was, that's too spicy for me. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, watching 34 short films that all have to have those required elements, 
it actually it made me respect it even more because of the variety of ways that that was included. Right. So, but yeah, so the best of screening is coming this Sunday here locally at Central Cinema. Uh, hit me up on social media uh, to get more details about that. So, but I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a good time. Uh, Central Cinema, Central Cinema is a solid venue, man. I like that place. It is. That is. I went there. I went there early this year for the Prince sing along on his mm-hmm. birthday. We watched Purple Rain and sang along with it. And it was that was kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. We did that the year before. I like his memorial thing at the Experience Music Project or Mopop. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. So we have we're we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to theaters in Seattle. Yeah, we don't really take yeah. I don't think people realize that. <laughs> no. You go somewhere else, you're like, Oh, you guys don't have any of that, huh? All right. Uh where my mom is from has one theater with one screen. So to this day, this is not something where, oh, when I was growing up, there, no, like right now. So whereas in Seattle, we have, not even joking, close to 20 theaters with multiple right. screens. Even if those multiple screens are only like two or three at some of the small venues, the fact that we still have like 20 movie theaters is crazy. And they're not just 20 theaters, right? It's what do you want? You want like an old fashioned mm-hmm. old theater? That's fine. If you want something more intimate if you want to go someplace that's 21 and over and serves food if you want to go to like a normal multiplex you'll find in middle of america we've got that so it it, it you know it depends on what you want to see and even i don't know if you're counting it but even something like the pacific science center absolutely is yeah. like a, a way different movie going experience yeah i actually saw or we saw remember uh green room last year yeah at the Pacific Science Center has no, no. We saw that at at, at, at the Museum of Pop Culture. Oh yeah, well yeah. I would guess I was in, I was including it in that area, but yeah, at Mopop, yeah. where they have their own little theater. So, so it's it, an actual theater that shows movies. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Then there's um, like Sif and Sif Uptown, and like then the, like the Sif Center is different. The Egyptian mm-hmm. is great, a great old theater. Northwest I love Film the Forum. It's Northwest Film Forum. Cinerama, of course, is my favorite. Cinerama um, is is tough to beat. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but this is not the About to Review Theaters, which I did think about doing like an expo, not an expose, maybe an expose on like <laughs> some, of the, some, some of the local theaters because we have so many and I really want to highlight more of them. And so I might do that eventually. Go talk to the owners, talk about how long they've been doing it. And I bet they have some crazy stories. Um, another quick thing. Actually, wait, no, this is coming out on Friday. Just kidding. I was going to talk about... Uh, another free screening that is coming up, uh, which is going to be The Room on Thursday night here in Seattle. But it also is nationwide. Yeah. So on November 9th, the nationwide A24, one of me and Tim's favorite studios who put out or is putting out The Disaster Artist, is yeah. doing free screenings for The Room across the country on November 9th. Anybody who has not seen The Room... It is the best worst movie ever made. So when did you when did you first see it? Oh man, it was gosh. I mean it was well after it came out, obviously. Right. Uh, man, it had it been seven years ago? Five, oh, wow. seven years ago. I watched it, yeah. But I had heard about it, and that was the thing. Like I had heard about it. I seen clips. Mm-hmm. I was aware of how ridiculous it was, and then I sat down and watched it, and I laughed. I had tears in my eyes. 
It was like I watched that. I watched Birdemic. Oof. And I watched yeah, Birdemic is a rough. It's, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. At least the room is like funny. Birdemic is just man the bad CGI. Oh my like, gosh. Well, the, the thing the that makes the, the thing that makes crap. the room so funny is that for the sheer fact it exists. This is a a full length yeah. feature film from 2003. Watching it, it it seriously makes you cringe because I, I'll, I'll never get over them like randomly tossing the football around, just like oh, yeah. random like playing catch. <laughs> it is oh, the movie is incredible, uh, but again, it is incredibly bad and so to see it in a live audience you know as it were in a theater i highly highly recommend it they do screenings of it across the, I mean, oh, across the country all, all the time the yeah uh, but this one is specific that a24 is like hey it is free we want people to see the this movie before they watch the disaster artist it is brilliant marketing a24 knows exactly what they are doing so I'm all on board for it. I have seen that movie far too many times. Yeah, I've only seen it a handful of times, but I, you know, I've I've constantly told people about it. And like one of my good friends, Stephanie, I like, I was laughing about it one day. She's like, "What are you talking about?" And I showed her a clip <laughs> on YouTube, and she was like, "What the hell is this?" I said, "You have to watch the whole movie." Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it really like it is a movie that should not exist. It it yeah. just it does not make any sense. The acting is atrocious, but oh my gosh, is it entertaining? Uh, so one, yeah. of my, one of my favorite parts is when he goes in, into like the flower shop or whatever, and he's <laughs> oh, wearing hello, the sunglasses. Doggy. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> when he walks up to her mm-hmm. and he takes off his sunglasses, she's like, "Oh, I didn't notice you." I'm like, <laughs> "You just had on sunglasses." That and Tommy uh, Wiseau is a giant Tommy. man who is uh, very mu- recognizable. Yeah. Like as soon as and. When he walks into the shop, it is a straight line to the counter. It's a beeline to the counter. <laughs> oh, it's the best. I'm yeah. like, this movie is, is in the end when he throws the TV. It's all, it's all, uh, all the slow mo at the end. It's mm-hmm. so good. You're tearing me apart, <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> that ugly rooftop scene, uh, which is green screen, and and it's like of- edited. It's edited weirdly, like a choppy like edit. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. needs to see the room if you get the chance. Go see it in a local theater with with the crowd. Oh, uh, it's definitely funnier in the crowd. The oh, crowd. 100%. 100%. Watching it at home is still funny, but yeah, go see it with people. So we will be doing that uh, tomorrow night. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, so yeah, go check that out if you can. Uh, all right. So moving on to the other news in the entertainment uh, industry. Uh, Tim, there is a a, a brave cinematic extravaganza that is happening soon that we cannot wait for that people have been talking about for a while it is the dark universe with all of your favorite monsters tim tell stop. me all about it <laughs> stop it i don't need you, need you to stop telling this dark universe uh, listen i think did we talk about this when we talked about the mummy yes <laughs> okay we talked about it um at what point during the mummy did you realize that there was no longer going to be a dark universe 25 minutes, minutes in. in. Yeah. yeah, you're like, this is, is going to be a thing, guys. Mm-hmm. So yeah. basically, the the dark universe is... Uni- universal. Yes, picture. Universal Pictures or Universal Studios, um, who has the rights to do... Actually, technically, they, I mean, they have the rights for some of the monsters, but only kind of the versions they have done before. Like Dracula right now is in public domain. 
anybody can make a Dracula movie. But I'm gonna make one. I'm gonna make a Dracula movie. Oh, absolutely. We totally That's should. Cool. But characters yeah. like the Wolfman, Frankenstein, or Frankenstein's monster, Bride of Frankenstein, the Gill Man from Creature from the Black Lagoon, they rolled out this <laughs> this huge spread. Wasn't it a Entertainment Weekly or yeah, like with all these like these really good actors in it, yeah. like the the Benicio del Toro was he returning as the Wolfman? No, no, it was no, uh, Johnny Javier, Depp, Javier Bardem, Javier Bardem, yeah, uh, Russell Crowe, Tom Cruise, Sofia Boutella, aka Blady Legs. I mean, they rolled out everybody, and this is before this is months before the Mummy ever saw the screen, <laughs> and. Uh, recently, we found out this past week that pretty much the entire Dark Universe has been shelved. Possible. The, the 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 story says possibly, but we all know what that means. That's like a yeah, yeah, but we don't want to say anything yet. <laughs> that means this has no chance because basically with The Mummy, their tentpole film that was going to kick off this Dark Universe, it is Tom Cruise in an action movie. When has that gone wrong? Uh, it went wrong this time badly. Uh, yeah, did, it'd be like it'd be like Marvel Studios wanting to do the Avengers and then like Iron Man bombing. Yeah, seriously. And, 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 and okay, so if we're honest, the Mummy did make it did make money, right? It made a it, bunch it of money well. overseas, but not but, here. But it's the kind of thing that's so toxic that <laughs> no one wants to be attached with it, to it anymore. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it got such a bad rap critically that people are just like, eh, I don't want my name attached to this sinking ship. This this thing has become the Titanic, and we need to jump ship right now. Yeah, absolutely, because the mummy cost about one twenty-five. Yeah, so under twenty-five million, which is a decent budget for one of these big monster movies. Domestically, in its entire run, it made eighty million. And Ooh, this was a movie. This came out. I mean, at a good time. It was like late spring. It was in the theaters for a few weeks, and did not even make its money back. Domestically, now internationally, it cleaned house. It made like three hundred and fifty million dollars overseas. Yeah, but the fact that they recent like so the reason that the Zark universe is so uh, in question right now, or the longevity of it, the producers that they again rolled out months ago, that they were like, we already have scripts for Invisible Man, we have we have scripts for the Wolf Man, all of these things. Yeah, both the producer and the writer have now left and are on other projects. And Johnny Depp, when he was approached recently, like he just kind of skirted the issue. Pretty much nobody involved in that photo shoot is like, yeah, we're we're filming now. We can't wait. Everyone just kind of quietly <laughs> is not talking about it anymore. Yeah, and I don't I don't fault those people. I mean, no. there's so there's so much. That, that comes with you know once once you sort of make your film like this is going to be some tentpole film that brings in they're going to pour a bunch of budget and advertising to mm-hmm. advertising money into that's going to make a bunch of money for us there's so many factors that go into that process that impacts something that should be artistic and creative right absolutely so if you're an actor or you're a director and and there's and we'll talk about this in our next subject because uh, it comes into play usually there. But, you know, there's a bunch of cooks in the kitchen, as my dad would say. Mm-hmm. So all these cooks in the kitchen, and here you are just trying to make a good movie, and they're they're trying to pull strings different directions, and you end up with something like this that just flops hard, yet 
you know, these other people who are, who are outside of the creative process have all these balls already in motion. Yep. Already rolling out like this crazy photo shoot that looks like something out of Vanity Fair mm-hmm. and like all these press releases and, and what they're going to, what they plan on doing without any eyeballs on what, on what's actually taking place. And it's just, you know, it's like counting your chickens before they hatch. It's, there, there was a lot on the line. The movie failed. If they'd have kept quiet, no one would know that they had this ridiculous plan that just was not going to pan out. That was the thing is like what what it kept reminding me of. And again, it ties into this story and our next one. Walk before you run. When Iron Man came out in 2000, what was that? 2008? Uh, I think it was 2008. Uh, when Iron Man came out, they were not like, hey, we're doing Iron Man. But right after that, we're going to do the Hulk again. And right after that, they're just like, you know what? We're going to see if this works. Turns out right. it worked really well. And from there, then they started planning out the next phases. And, of course, they now have movies planned out for the next 10 years. They have a plan over at Marvel right. Cinematic Universe. But it they waited. They tested the market. They wanted to see kind of the reaction. With Dark Universe, nobody had seen Mummy yet. But yet they were telling us, oh, just wait. Not only is the Mummy going to be great... Wait until you see everything else we have planned for the next three years. But but also, also with Marvel, I mean, they were essentially dealing with all the low spades. When you think about yeah. it, right? Because all their all their heavy guns and the big jokers they had, you know, sold to other people to develop films with. So you know, it gave them the the ability to be patient because you know no one's necessarily crying for a Thor movie or a Captain America movie now. Like you know, people my nephew's age, they think you know these properties were always amazing and they weren't i mean they were fun enjoyable mm-hmm. comics but they they were literally the b team yeah behind the x-men behind spider-man which has always been profitable you know behind these other things where these other cool comic characters uh that were fun but were never household names in the way that you know these other properties were right and so you know it's it's sort of it's as crazy as it was that they sold these things off not looking back it, it benefited them because it gave them the ability to be patient and wait and see and sort of, you know, I'm, I'm reading this book about blockbusters and it talks about them selling off Spider-Man mm-hmm. and how Marvel still got money for the merchandising and that allowed them to see how profitable it could be. Oh yeah. And once, once Disney got on board, Disney was essentially like, we're going to do what we do best with these 5,000 characters. And cause that's what we do. We handle mm-hmm. characters well. Um, and so, they sort of took that same model and they brought in a guy from Warner Brothers who started that whole tentpole model over there. And they sort of, you know, they've done it and have done it well. And I think because they're so good at, at executing it, it makes other people like Universal and DC feel like it's easier to do than it is. Like, it's difficult because, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Pe- people didn't love Thor, too. People <laughs> nope. didn't love, right? There, there are directors who've left projects. There have been, you know films that haven't been as well received as others but again like you said before there's a plan so you stick to the plan and you just keep moving forward mm-hmm. right if people didn't love you know what they were what they you know did necessarily love you know age of ultron or iron man 3 as much as other stuff but again you this is our plan yep you know so even seeds from those movies are planning in other movies right well that was the thing is they they gave you enough of a solid story, whether or not the movie was fantastic. I mean, like I said, Thor 2, a little bit rough, but it was planting seeds. It was giving you enough of the universe to be like, okay, 
This whole ether thing is kind of weird, but the I can collectors now, at the end. He's yeah, in like, it. I can now see where they are going, and I trust them to get there in time. Like Black Panther, all of us are over the moon and cannot wait for it. That being said, I'm also a little bit worried because it looks like a phase one Marvel movie. It looks like my enemy has the same technology, the same suit, the same everything, just like Iron Monger, just like Abomination. But at the same time, I trust them at this point. They are almost 10 years into this, on into these movies. I trust them. If everything is not great, I still know that enough of it will be to keep it moving forward and walk before you run i i just uh, yeah <laughs> you know and going back to the mummy that's the thing about the mummy it, it felt like a movie that probably would have been way more popular late 90s early 2000s when we didn't know how to make these movies <laughs> right right but thanks to like you know really smart horror films in the last you know five six years uh that did that did good horror and good suspense and mm-hmm. good thriller without any of the cgi stuff that we kind of don't like, you didn't need to do all that. You didn't need to have like another sandstorm with a mouth in it. You didn't need to have like, you know, weird, creepy stuff. You didn't need to sort of have this powerful killing machine that, you know, gets defeated. Like she's some regular bond villain and not like a supernatural mummy. So I think we know we've seen well-written, well-scripted, uh, scary movies that have been told. And, you know, it's just not the right climate for that kind of movie. It's a it's a hit ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a smash hit ten years ago. Well, that is the thing is, Mummy vaulted into my top three worst movies of the year, behind Transformers and what else? Snowman. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Snowman was Snowman was rough. It was rough. I mean, the thing again, was... again Snowman again something that probably would have been great. No, it wouldn't. No, been great. nope. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, that, there, there was no saving that. But with this dark universe, again, these are things that I want to see. I have been a fan of the Universal Studios monsters, Universal Pictures monsters most of my life. I mean, like you and I talked about, Creature from the Black Lagoon was one of the first movies that scared me. It was one of the first things, you know, so I love these creatures. I love these movies. I want this to be a success. But after The Mummy failed miserably, I pretty much have zero faith that they are actually going to go through with any of these. And oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I knew that the open the weekend numbers came through, and I was like, "There's no way they're doing this whole like shared universe yeah. thing. It's just not. It's just not. It's gonna. It's got the stink on it. And once you've got that stink, man, people are not okay with doing it. Yeah. Uh, and with Guillermo del Toro's new film coming out called The Shape of Water, it kind of has the gill man from creatures from the black lagoon in it, or at least something that is very, very similar, Mm -hmm. but no one really knows much about that movie. Um, I can neither affirm nor deny that that was one of the movies that I saw that I cannot talk about. Um, (laughs) But with that movie, you know, he's kind of kept it under wraps. Mm -hmm. That really is what they should have done with this. Do not give us this whole spread of your next five movies and your cast and the scripts before the first one is out. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they're out here gambling, you know. They're 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 on their betting table and they're pushing all the chips in and saying, "This is what we're doing." And again, like Universal, man, they make their bread off of these fast movies, so they can they can play <laughs> lo- loose and free with these other properties. And if they don't work out, they don't work out. They'll just you know rebrand them. And the, again, these are properties that have been around for a long time. And you yeah. know, 
two, three years from now, they'll start something else. It'll be some other thing. It'll be another spinoff. It'll be a Netflix show. It'll be something with Hulu or Amazon where they're selling mm-hmm. the rights to them so they can make some crazy, interesting, like, you know, Wolfman series. Like, you know, yeah, that's oh, probably yeah. the way to go. Absolutely. And just give it to me. I would yeah. watch the hell out of those. Yeah. G- give us like a two seasons of a really flushed out Wolfman show about a guy who, you know, realizes he's a Wolfman and is trying to live in this town and you can develop the characters in the mm-hmm. town and the town becomes a character. You can tell this overarching story about him or even like, I've always wanted to see like a rom- uh, it's not a romantic comedy, like a love story involving like Dracula and just mm. the sadness, the sadness of living, of outliving people you love. I mean, granted with, he, he with, murders people. Obviously, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with but Bram like, Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman. I mean, you saw that love story just not, right as much before he was Dracula. Like that scene right. when he stabs the cross and yeah. blood starts pouring. Like, I mean, it's Gary Oldman who is phenomenal, <laughs> you know? And so you get that love story, but I, I agree that I think that would be a compelling thing to do. And it just, to, again, we know the Dracula story. We get it. Do something a little bit different to kind of revamp it. And who knows? It, it could work. Yeah, or even if it's from the perspective of, of the woman, like she knows she's she's involved with this Dracula guy and she knows he's a vampire and mm. just, you know. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, no, not quick. like Twilight. Like <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, real not quick good. on Dracula. One of the shows recently that is way better than it deserves to be is a new anime on Netflix called Castlevania. Yeah, I've never on, seen it, but people seem to oh like it. Oh my gosh, based on the video games, which of course always have to do with Dracula and uh, the Belmont family, this anime is short. I mean, I think it was five episodes or something. Yeah, it was yeah it's really short. Uh, it already got renewed for another short season. I mean, it blew me away because it just, I was not expecting much. I was like, all right, an anime based off of a video game? Sure, why not? I love anime. It was It was good, so... Yeah, I recommend that for just a different type of Dracula story. So, yeah, with Dark Universe, uh, it sounds like it is not going to happen, but we will see. The next bit of news is another cinematic universe that is currently uh, in question, and that is the DC Extended Cinematic Universe, or whatever they're calling it, uh, which we get to see Justice League next week. It opens on Thursday or Friday? Thursday or Friday, yeah, one of those, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we see it next week. Every new trailer, every new poster is getting me more nervous. What What do you What do you think we're going to get next week out of this movie? Here's what I think we're going to get, <laughs> and I'm putting it on wax now. We're going to get a convoluted mess of an ensemble film that is going to rush through everyone's backstories, except for Wonder Woman, which we got a fantastic backstory from Batman. We got a decent one, but everyone else, they're just going to cram them all together. The finale is going to be probably 20 minutes in the dark, possibly in the rain surrounded by fire. And mm-hmm. I just do not think that they're going to be setting up dark side in the way that they should be. I Does mean, he show up in the movie? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, he shows up similar to how Thanos showed up in, oof, was it Captain, which one was it? Avengers. Uh, Avengers, yeah, it was at the end of the Avengers. Uh, 
we will see Darkseid come through a boom tube and they better do the boom tube right. If that boom tube effect is not basically a cylinder that then kind of pushes forward a little bit and then he walks through and then it retreats behind him, they have already failed. Um, But so, yes, he will show up towards the end, maybe throw a couple punches and then we will go to credits. And that is going to frustrate is, is, me. Is he throwing punches with Superman? Uh, okay, so here's actually another prediction. Uh, first of all, I said it six months ago. Hal Jordan is 99.9% going to be in this movie. How? I mean, how? How do you squeeze him in this movie? They're going to throw in Green Lantern. There is no way that... How, though? Ugh, the fact that Darkseid said in the trailer, like, no Kryptonians, no Lanterns. Why would you even mention that if you're not okay. going to throw him in there? First so, of all, that's not Dark Side. This talk, who's talking? Oh, that's, that's Steppen, Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, yes, his his yeah. papa. Uh, so how they're going to do it? Most likely in the third act. After so Superman is going to pop up into the first act. They're not going to waste too much time without it. The first, so the first in the first act, you're saying Superman shows up. I say at least Clark Kent shows up. Superman probably shows up in the second act. That is not going to be the big reveal in the third act. I think what (laughs) Steppenwolf is going to be beating them around like crazy. Uh, Hal comes in, which it should not even be Hal Jordan. It should be Jon Stewart, but whatever. He is going to come down, help them win that fight. And right when they start to get chummy, then the boom tube opens and Darkseid steps out, knocks a couple people around. And then credits. There's no way that there's no way that happens. Oh, I know, but it just I feel there's like no, there's no way it ends like <laughs> not as not as no, no, absolutely not. Here's here's what I would like to happen. What I would love to see instead of Green Lantern, which again, huge Green Lantern fanboy, if they were to pull a switch and give us Martian Manhunter instead. Oh, no, no, not even gonna happen. <laughs> I am saying that is what I want. No, no way. There's no way. Like, Green Lantern is a stretch enough. Martian Manhunter? Nah. Green Lantern is they, in, they, in the listen, movie. Listen, they would be smart, too. Absolutely. But they're not. There's no way to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, this movie comes out. This It is filmed. It is done. Uh, it had some production issues. Zack Snyder had to step away to be with his family, which totally is understandable. Joss Whedon. Um, or not Joss Whedon. Uh, who came in to, to finish it up? Josh Whedon. Yeah, Josh Whedon. I was, yeah. So he came in to kind of polish it up. They said, oh, no, this is still a Zack Snyder movie. Please, no. Please do not give us another Zack Snyder movie. You know, it, it, uh, they were talking about the movie and how they, like, they wanted, you know, it, the budget somehow exploded over $300 million, Oof. And they were saying that, like, they, they cut the runtime down because they, yeah. wanted, they wanted theaters to be able to show more of the, more, you have the film on more screens. Mm-hmm. You have more, more show times. Which is dumb. Totally dumb. Like, <laughs> like let let these people who are creative, like let them tell their narrative story they want to tell because you're you're trying to smash together Wonder Woman who we already know, Batman mm-hmm. who we're familiar with, whatever Superman storyline you're gonna have. You need to explain Cyborg. You need you need to explain the Flash and how they coexist in this world. You need to explain Steppenwolf and you need to explain Darkseid and the pair of demons and the boom boxes. Like Mother yeah, Boxes, that's a, not Mother Boom Boxes. boxes yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mother boxes, mm-hmm. but that's a uh, that's a lot for a film, and you're trying to be like, yeah, do all this in 
in two under hours. two hours. Under two yeah, hours. Under in under two hours. Oof. That's heavy, man. Like yeah. When I read that, I was like, why would <laughs> like like who saw the footage and said yeah, two hours though. It like, just yeah that, that that is what I'm saying. It is going to be a rushed mess. I so as far as the so it's actually so I gave my predictions. Uh, my my bold slash. Well, those, are, those are very bold predictions. So, I mean, Green Lantern is in the movie. I, that is one I'm sticking with. I said it months ago. I don't know. He is. Yeah, he will. He will be in it. He will pop up, even if it is and, a hologram. And, and, who, and who plays him? Oh, that would be a whole different discussion because again, it should be John Stewart, not know, Hal Jordan. If, if, if it's Hal Jordan, like I don't know how these movies work without us knowing who was cast as this character. Well, the like, fact you're telling, that they had you're, to do you're so many Warner Brothers, in, in, you're telling me Warner Brothers in DC did this whole casting of one of their major characters without any of us knowing who they cast as the character. He just mm-hmm. ran some. We're gonna be surprised. All of a sudden, is Army Hammer? Like I don't. I, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's mm-hmm. the. I don't trust them enough because they're they're such, like, they're always trying to like be one step ahead. Like, cause, cause, and think about it, like the news. The other news this week was like, oh, we've got the Rock as Black Adam might oh, be in Suicide Squad too, <laughs> right? It, 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 we're gonna do. Think about all the stuff we've heard about, right? We're gonna recast Joker and have it be filmed by somebody else mm-hmm. and be a, a different Joker, or we're gonna do Joker and Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. or we're gonna do. Right, we just got the casting for uh, what's this for Shazam? Shazam, mm-hmm. right? So I, they're not a studio that, that strikes me as the type of people who would cast Green Lantern without any of us knowing anything about it. Uh, not even like a like, cause look at them, they're already throwing a rock out. They're whoring <laughs> the Rock's name around, <laughs> right? And, when nothing sequel, has been signed, <laughs> right? In a sequel that we don't we don't even know is coming. They're like, oh yeah, the rock's gonna be in it. So come see us. Look what we're doing. We're doing cool stuff over here, guys. Yeah. I mean it is no. the it is the Svengali magician type of thing where it's like, yeah. look over here. My left hand is doing all this cool yeah. stuff. Hey, what is your right hand doing? Do not worry about my right hand. Look at my left hand. Like Yeah. I, uh, I can see them trying to drop that news amidst like people fanning out over like the Black Panther trailer mm-hmm. or Guardians Two or Thor. I can see them. Trying to be like, oh, guess what we did? We we got, you know. No, they're smarter than that. I say that because every time they have tried to really? do that. Oh, I say that because even if they have a big scoop, Marvel has a stack of about 10 things that anytime DC is about to drop something like what they did with Justice League. And they gave us all these featurettes and they're like, oh, cool. How about this Black Panther trailer? Boom. I, but I don't. I, <laughs> I don't. When when have, when is that? When have they ever showed restraint in that way? Uh, like well, I can't <laughs> think of a time through this whole process. If we go all the way back to Man of Steel, I can't think of a time, or, or even go all the way back to the Nolan Batman film. Yeah, I can't think of a time where they've shown restraint in that way. Where they're like, well, we're not going to tell you who we cast in this character. That's going to be a humongous reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and people have seen the movie. Like that news would have been out. People have seen it. Well, so I I know some friends who saw it in L.A. like six weeks ago at a super right. advanced cut. There was a three-page NDA. So, right. I mean, they showed it and people saw it even if – not even if. There are some big, big reveals in Justice League that nobody can talk about for the next week until it comes out. Mm-hmm. So we will see – I. 
I, I still feel like they're going to throw it in there and they're going to mess it up because it is still DC. But oh, we, we will see. Wow. All uh, right. So you're saying you're saying Green Lantern. All what, right. What is what is your bold prediction? You have yet to give one. Uh, it's, it's I think it's going to be a, a standard film. I think it'll be funnier than people think. It'll be lighter in moments. They'll try to lighten up the humor to cut in some of the end of the world doom. Suits will come in in the third act, save the day. Mm. There'll be a big Aquaman post credit scene that we know about. Mm-hmm. That'll be the they're finally on the post credit train. Finally. <laughs> right. Uh, so there'll be that Aquaman post credit that'll lead into his movie because that's the only other movie they're actually in development doing. Not just development, uh, like it is. I it. think they already wrapped. Yeah, but that's it. They don't. There's nothing else that's working that's, that's actually been broke down right now. Yeah. Um, okay. So there'll be that. Um, no one's gonna die. No. No way. Uh, we might get some other characters associated with the characters we find out because you know we'll clearly get you know. Cyborg's dad, we might get Iris mm, okay. West. We might get an Iris West cameo in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's really it. I don't think I think it's gonna be pretty straightforward. We might get a little bit of Batman history as to, between him and him and uh, uh, Alfred talking. We'll get might get some more depth in depth look at Batman. Um, okay. I don't. We might get a peek of what they expect Flash to do as far as Flashpoint and his powers. <laughs> uh, there will be there will be a big fight. Up the right. sky will be dark. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we see Darkseid. Okay. Um, there'll be hints towards him. They'll talk about him as this big ominous, overbearing figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think um, Lois Lane's gonna get on my nerves. Oh, shocking. It's gonna be in. She's gonna be in the way, always. Yeah, she'll just be in the way. And I, mean, I like, I like, I like her as an actress, but I think she's gonna be in the way. They missed such a golden opportunity in Batman versus Superman, in the climactic scene, and I'm spoiling this because it came out last year, and whatever. In the no, climactic no. scene when they're fighting Doomsday, and they have to get the Kryptonite spear. And you right. see Lois Lane kind of digging around, and you see this huge body of water, like this puddle. Yeah, yeah, I remember it pissed me off too. Oh, like all of us were in the theater just waiting, like, "Give me Aquaman." We already, yeah, at that just, point just we knew it was Jason. Show up. Yeah, we knew it was Jason Momoa. He had already been cast. We already saw imagery. He was in the film, and that's that little, you know, thumb drive that right. they had. And so I was waiting. I was like, "Just give us that moment." Even if he swims up, hands it to her, and he was like. What's going on? She's like, ah, there's a big one. He's like, nope, and dives back down. But no, they missed that opportunity. This movie is going to be a mess. Uh, the DC Universe, so like we talked about, Aquaman is the only one that is done. Oh, I, and I think he'll be the star of the film. I think is going to be the yeah. one person in that film who's having all the fun. I think oh, he's he... going to be. <laughs> Look at the guy behind the scenes footage. Yeah. The dude just lives life. Yeah, I think he's going to be the one person in that movie who's like, oh, Aquaman was like the breakout character. Mm-hmm. Like Wonder Woman that, was in Batman versus Superman. Right, because everyone else is going to be brooding and serious, and he's going to be the one guy who's like, ah, mm-hmm. my man, and doing all the, giving all the funny, <laughs> quippy lines. It'll be Aquaman. What, what bothers me so far in some of the trailers is it looks, it reminds me of, um, how do I want to, like the, the Hobbit conundrum. Which was when you look at the first trilogy of Lord of the Rings, there was true peril. People who had not read the books, who I watched those movies with, 
they were like clenched up. They were like, is Aragorn going to die? Like it was real tension. Then you got the Hobbit trilogy where you literally have hobbits falling down the mine shaft for a hundred feet bouncing off of rocks, not a scratch. Like there was I mean, never that I, sense of danger, and then just I mean, week, hobbits, hobbits have feet made out of leather or whatever. They're fine. <laughs> yeah, but not faces and bodies. I so, don't know. I've never been a hobbit. I don't know how that works. Well, I know a guy who knows a guy, so you know. Uh, but with Justice League in the trailer so far, it looks like nobody gets hurt. Everybody is perfect. Aquaman is jumping on a parademon and crashing through a building, surfing him, and slides out no problem. Cyborg throws him in the air to the parademon, like. There has to be a sense of danger, and I feel none of that in this film or in the trailers so far. So it, it yeah, concerns no me. The danger, yeah. I mean, the danger is going to be like, oh, the world's going to end, and we care about these people we see, so let's hope they don't die. They're not going to die. Yeah. But anyway, so so if you're if you're okay, so say let's 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 play this out. Mm-hmm. Say this movie is a huge success and people love it. Mm-hmm. And Flash is good. Whatever Batman solo thing is, um, is good, whatever's good, right? If you're doing a Justice League 2, what story are you telling? Well, that is the thing. If they introduce Darkseid, he needs right? to come in as that big bad and knock mm-hmm. them around. Not want to be one of these characters that pops up and they come together and they defeat him in the end and yay. Darkseid is not that character, just like Thanos is not that type of character. These are two larger-than-life villains that cause planets to explode. Yeah, so what? So, uh, so the, the Justice League 2 is them taking on Darkseid. Yes, the whole movie. Plotting, planning, getting their butt kicks, kicked, and then coming back, back and forth. Like, there needs to be some real stakes. Marvel is going to do that with Infinity War and introduce us to about 20 new characters that are all going to die. Well, I have a theory about that, about Infinity Wars. Ooh. I have okay. a theory. And it leads into Infinity Wars 2. Okay. Write this down at home. Everyone listen at home, write this down. <laughs> a character will die in Infinity Wars. Mm-hmm. We will find out that person is a scroll. Oh, yeah. Yep. The person who dies is a scroll. I mean, they did that with Secret Invasion. Like, that would be... But I think that's going to be in the film. Like, I think... Yeah. We're going to see a character die, and people are going to be sad. Then we're going to find out the person wasn't really who we thought they were. They were a scroll. Yeah, I would be 100% on board with that. Is that person Cap? It would It would have to be. For it to have any real impact, so Cap, who's Cap, it going to be? Cap, Hawkeye? Nobody cares. No, Cap <laughs> goes away. He comes back. Mm-hmm. I think the real Cap America is being held by the scroll somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that will be all unveiled in you know, Infinity Wars 2, and we'll get a backstory on that in, when they do uh, Captain Marvel. But yeah, that's my theory. Captain America is a scroll. Mm-hmm. He'll die. He'll come back. We'll realize he's a scroll. We'll, they will mourn him at first, mm-hmm. and then realize he was a scroll when they go to bury his body or whatever. Yep. And then that'll, that'll be what launches into the next movie because they're shooting it now, and what they're showing from the, from the, the stuff on set is that they're doing flashbacks from the first Avengers film. Yeah, and that is the thing is Captain Marvel, they already said that the villains are going to be the Skrulls, and it takes place in the 80s before this new crop of Marvel films. So, yeah, man. So Cap, Captain America is a Skrull. Put it on a shirt. I like it. Um, so with DC films, 
It it is gonna be a mess. In a recent interview, they're ter- they're terrible. DC's terrible. Well, they're like a, they're like they're like weekend dads <laughs> who just show up and they promise you things they're gonna do. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll take you to I'll take you to the carnival. I'll take you to go get popcorn, mm-hmm. and we'll do this. And they just never really show up. That's 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 the DC Warner Brothers movie franchise at this point. They're just a weekend dads who show up occasionally, do something fun, and they make all these promises and they never come through. Tim, this is a safe space. Tell us how you really feel. Oh, man, my, my dad is awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was never that dad. But, right. yeah, that's what remind me of, like, all of these sort of false promises and ideas. And, like, there's more press releases about things they're going to do than what they've actually literally mm-hmm. done. Yeah, why cast a movie? Why cast The Rock? Well, I know why, because it's clickbait. But when you cast The Rock in a movie that you have not even technically announced yet... And you have not filmed you're the not, movie that are supposed to take place before them, which is right. Wonder Woman two and Flash. Like, bro, yeah, he, he's like, playing a character. You just announced he's playing a character. Yeah. Uh, what was crazy is in an interview with uh, Momoa, Affleck, and uh, Cyborg, uh, they were on Extra TV doing a panel, and Ben Affleck gets asked, "So, you know." With these three movies, with Justice League, Batman vs. Superman, and Suicide Squad, that makes three appearances as Batman. Do you think he'll make it to five? And he said, he was like, uh, I don't know about that. We'll see what what the future holds. Here's another oh, yeah, bold prediction. There is he's not out. a chance Ben Affleck is doing five appearances as Batman. There's not a chance he's in the Batman solo movie. No. No, not anymore. No. <laughs> like, he wants man. to be he's done out. with this. So, he's out. It does not sound like a fun experience for those involved. That's the, that's kind of the sad thing because you're mm-hmm. you know, except for Momoa, who is having the time of his life. Who's having, <laughs> he's having time of his life, but he's got the solo film. He's good. Um, but yeah, for everyone else involved, it just feels like not a fun experience. People don't seem to be enjoying working on these films. Maybe they are having fun, mm-hmm. but it seems like it's such a mess when it could be. It's probably more frustrating than anything. Like this could be something great, and it's not reaching its full potential because. There's real. There's no real plan for what's supposed to happen, yep. and what's taking place, and it just probably is way more frustrating than it needs to be. Yeah. So. And it it, it kills because they have good actors and they've got good yep. good properties, and this is a 100% the right climate for this type of film, and they just can't seem to find the right, you know, groove. Why, why they chose people. to take the Justice League in the dark and gritty direction, I will it's never understand. Beyond me. Like yeah, I will you look yeah. at any of the old Justice League, and not even old, even in the past few years, except for Justice League Dark and some of yeah. the new metal, like Batman metal stuff. Like Justice League has always been kind of the the light and colorful and you know fun adventure that you want. And and those stories are so dope. Like Absolutely. I don't know why you can't. Like I would love to see a Batman under the Red Hood story, oh, but yes. I don't I don't trust this team to do it. <laughs> no. Unless no, they did the animated, sir. which was incredible. Yeah, yeah, like the like you know, even like Justice League Doom is fun. Like mm-hmm. these stories are really interesting, and they're they're rich characters and you know interesting villains that have some depth to them, and they just refuse to do any of that. Yeah. So we will see. So uh, tune in next week <laughs> to hear to hear me talk about Justice League. Uh, okay. So enough with the news. The movie that we saw this week was Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think, like, fifth iteration, fifth or sixth yeah. iteration it's of like this story. like the 1,000th time they've done the story. Yeah. yeah. This one, of course, is packed with people. It is directed by Kenneth Branagh. 
I mean, it has a ton of people in it. Daisy Ridley, of course, being kind of the breakout star, you know, since Star Wars. I mean, it has Johnny Depp, uh, Dame Judi Dench, a ton of people. Uh, for those unfamiliar with the story of the murder on the Orient Express, this is one of those weird ones where we're not going to spoil it, even though the book came out in 1934. Because right. I realize a lot of people, this might not be their genre. So I think a lot of people, even at our screening, had never read it, had never seen an iteration of it before, which... How is that possible? How seriously. Not... Yeah, <laughs> it, I guess. It, it kind of blows my mind. But, so we will not spoil anything, but this movie, came, this book came out in 1934. They have made dozens of iterations but the general storyline uh the chief detective or not detective former detective and the best former yeah i mean he he used to be he used to be a police officer with a detective now he is kind of freelance yeah so and that is how a lot of hercule poirot stories are like he works with the police similar to sherlock holmes right very sherlock holmes yeah i mean and Agatha Christie, the author, talked about that a bunch of times. She was like, of course I drew from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. Like, why would I not? So it takes Hercule Poirot, who is on this train. This is the quintessential murder mystery template that you have seen a hundred times. You get introduced to all of these different characters. A murder most foul happens. And then you suddenly start doubting everybody around you. Hercule Poirot has to find out who the real killer is, what the real situation is, and solve this crime that he was not actually a part of. He was just a victim of, as far as victim of circumstance, being on the train, wrong place, wrong time. That is kind of the storyline. I mean, you can read all about this. I mean, I encourage everyone to, of course, read the book about it. Uh, Yeah, Agatha Christie, fantastic author. Tim, when you first saw that this was coming out, Murder on the Orient Express, mm-hmm. even though you knew the story, I'm sure you probably have seen at least one version of it before, what was something about this that made you want to see it? Well, I was disappointed they didn't have Ja Rule in the promo for it. Oh, boy. Saying it's murder. I would have That would have been uh. the best part. <laughs> yeah. We just turned around and said it. I was like, this is great. This is hitting my niche. Now, um, uh, I... I thought the cast was great. I was like, well, this is a, a cool way to go. You've got a really sort of star-studded cast. You've got, you know, Braun is a good director. Mm-hmm. It looked, looked visually, looked stunning. Um, I know how much you love costuming. The costuming yes. looked great. Costuming was uh, on point. Costuming was on point. Uh, it just looked like something like a fun, old-fashioned murder mystery, uh, you know, in, in the vein of like a Sherlock Holmes. And, you know, because I think people miss some of that like mm-hmm. it's, it's not some dark thriller noir story it's just a fun old-fashioned you know who done it i think you know exactly and i also thought it was going to be you know and it, and it was at points like a lighter movie than something because mm-hmm. you know the first the opening for this is really funny yeah uh so I, you know i thought it'd be you know it'd be lighter and yet still a it's kind of a who done it and so that that was my expectation goal okay and yeah, I, I was in that same boat. I mean, I know the story. Uh, one of the shows that I used to watch growing up on PBS was Agatha Christie's Poirot with David Suchet. Yeah. I mean, that show lasted, I think it was like 13 years, 13 seasons. I mean, it was just on forever. 
Uh, I would watch that. I would watch Miss Marple Mysteries, Midsummer Murders, Masterpiece Theater. So I grew up watching these. So, of course, anytime they do a new one, I'm interested. And you put someone like Kenneth Branagh and Johnny Depp and Jame, Dame Judi Dench and Willem Dafoe and all these names and Daisy Ridley. I was like, of course. Like, of course, I'm going to see that. One thing that I was, I want to say disappointed with, this is a very kind of paint-by-numbers movie. They they kind of introduce all the characters in very similar ways. Everything just kind of, it is a slow burn for a lot of this movie. And yeah, for most of it. Yeah, for, for quite a bit of it. One thing I, I loved, though, Kenneth Branagh as Poirot. Poirot was always this larger-than-life, just arrogant detective, again, similar oh, to Sherlock Holmes. Oh, he's a, he's a megastar. Yeah, and, and he knows it, and he knows that everybody knows it. And he and I will not say he loves the attention because he kind of loathes it, but the way that he interacts with people and they're like, oh, my gosh, Hercule Poirot, and he is like, of course I am. Like that yeah. type of arrogance, Brana nailed. So yeah. that was that was really impressive. I would love to see, especially with the resurgence of detective fiction, look at how popular Sherlock was or Luther. Right. Like these shows blew up. And so it showed that there's definitely a market for this. This movie with the huge budget with gorgeous, just inspired cinematography. I'm not sure is the best direction to go with it. I think that it will be more successful like the Sherlock's and like the Luther's of the world, where if they were to do a new TV show of Agatha Christie, Agatha Christie's Poirot, I think it would be a more successful translation. What do you think about that? Uh, that could work. But I think, I think the problem this film ran into wasn't necessarily how big they blew the film out. It's just that you, you blow a film out that big and you're making this blockbuster it sort of underutilized the entire cast. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you casting like Ridley? Who they're I mean, the cast is good, right? Ridley's good in it. Mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer's good in it. Oh yeah, Leslie Odom Jr. is fantastic in it. Uh, uh, Will- Willem Dafoe's fine in it. Mm-hmm. Even creepy Johnny Depp is super creepy in it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that all works, but they don't develop any of them. So you mm-hmm. know, even when you're watching uh, Perot have these interactions with people when he's sort of interrogating them is to build it's to build evidence but it's not really exploring who these people are yeah so you never really get to see who they are they're kind of all there as avatars to help sort of like build who he is as a detective and not explain anything about them themselves mm-hmm. they're just sort of there to puppet like what's happening and like move the plot forward which i thought was a real missed opportunity it's just like you know It'd be different, like I said in my review, like it'd be different if this was like Teen Wolf and they're asking you to concentrate on his teammates who you don't care about. Right. It's not that. This is like the story is about these people on the train Mm -hmm. and what's happening and who potentially murdered somebody. Mm -hmm. And they don't do anything with those people. And they've got like even like what's his name? Josh Gad is like, yeah, solid. But like. He doesn't get much to do other than like this three minute sort of like monologue talk he has. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, it just felt like they really missed that. And I think that's, cause that's the thing that makes Sherlock tick. It's not just the, the, the sheer focus is on Cumberbatch and Sherlock. It's allowing Watson to have his own arc. It's allowing Watson's yep. girlfriend to have an arc. It's allowing these other criminals 
he comes in contact with and other people he contacts with do have something to say. And it's the same with Luther. Luther works because you mm-hmm. develop these other people around 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 John Luther that makes his motivations and and, and the consequences for his actions have more weight to them. So when you, when you get to the end of murder and there's sort of that bizarre looking like you know, last supper shot they do. Right. Just like super weird. And like it's it's obvious and it's super bizarre they would do that. But anyway, so when they do that shot, it's like when when they got to that point in the film, I was like, I don't care about any of these people. Mm-hmm. Like there's gonna be a big reveal and I don't care. Like I don't because at this point I don't care enough about any of these people to really be moved one way or the other if they did something or not. Yeah. And that was that was one of the ways that this film kind of went off the rails for me. Of course it went off the rails. <laughs> did it did it did it lose steam as well? I mean <laughs> is, that, is that what you're gonna say? You knew I was gonna you knew I was going there. <laughs> oh I knew I knew it was coming. If anything, uh, you know, the station ahead knew that I was on my way there. So ah, you go. Uh, I was right on time. So uh the thing about the other thing about this though, with I mean, with these murder mysteries, like we talked about, like you just talked about with Luther, we kind of need more. We need more meat on the bones right. for these to really, you know, for us to get involved because we now have seen and been exposed to these rich, complex detective fiction stories. A under two hour movie has to be really well done to kind of hit all those points. And this one, I- I'm not sure if it is as successful as it could have been. Even with yeah. all of the talent. One thing, though, also, Johnny Depp, on a scale from 0 to 100%, we have been at 95% Johnny Depp for the past 15 years. Right. This was like a 20% Johnny Depp, and it was great. Like, he did not have a stupid accent. He did not have any quirky behaviors. He was just a solid actor again, which I feel like we have not seen in a long time. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good seeing them sort of like dialed down a bunch. Mm-hmm. Which like, I hey, wonder, all, the, all that crazy stuff. Can you do none of that right now? <laughs> just come in here and just be be a quiet, creepy dude. Well, We'd love that. it. Has yeah. to be Kenneth Branagh. I I would love to see some behind the scenes stuff with Kenneth Branagh, where Johnny Depp starts this scene. There's a great scene between the two of them at this table, and Johnny Depp. I want to see the first cut of that scene. When he comes yeah. in, hey, blah, blah. And Kenneth Branagh yeah. was like, whoa, 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 cut. Um, What the hell is that? What yeah. are you doing? Yeah, this, this isn't Pirates of the Caribbean 8. You know, <laughs> so Pirates I, on I a think Train. It, it, I think calm it down. took a strong director like Kenneth Branagh to just calm him down. To be like, listen, buddy, I just need a solid performance. You are not, a slight spoiler alert, you are not in this a bunch. Just give me a solid performance, man. <laughs> Yeah, and the the crazy part is, the, I think, I don't know, the most frustrating part with this is that it's directed very well, mm-hmm. and even though the plot sort of, like, fumbles itself at the end, mm-hmm. it's it's still very well written, and the dialogue is, is pretty good, and it, it keeps you engaged. It's just, man, it gets to the end, and it's kind of sort of like, what should be the aha moment is kind of like, oh, that's, that's what happened? Oh, okay, well... Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what happens at the end of this, and it it it, it sort of loses a lot of its punch. Yeah. When it, you know we look around, I think again, I think a lot of people will be captivated by the cast, and they, mm-hmm. and they get there and they say, oh, they didn't let these guys uh, do anything. They let them, you know, have some lines and, and and be sort of suspicious, but that's 
kind of about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they all conduct themselves well. Uh, with- yeah, and, and, and he's in like 95% of the film. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it just felt like a very, like, I want to say Brian's being egotistical, but it just felt like a very much, hey, look at me movie. And instead of developing these characters, I, the camera's going to be on me 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in every single scene. And that said, the camera work, phenomenal. Yeah. Cinematography. Oh, yes, yeah, some of those overhead shots were like really Oof. interesting. I mean, again, it was truly inspired cinematography and filmmaking. You kind of need, yeah, we just, we need more than that these days. Um, yeah. I think the audiences a are a little bit smarter than than that. Um, that, that. I think that's, that you hit it around the head. Audience is smarter than I think they realize. And we can, we can deal with like complex characters. And because again, I think that makes the reveal at the end way more fascinating and, and, mm-hmm. and it, it, it makes it a little more rich when these characters are a little more complex than just like, I have anger issues. I slam stuff and I yell at people. It's like, okay, well, that's, you can calm all that down. I don't need you like punching tables and like flipping out. Mm-hmm. Um, right? That's, that's, we need more character development than just that. Then these, they're kind of like, they're not even like real people. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just conduits for the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like I said, I think a series, Agatha Christie has, a gigantic catalog and they make allusion at the end of this film to another story of hers. Um, yep. And death on the Nile was the name of the book, which again has been made into movies and radio plays and TV shows. And they make allusion to it. And Kenneth Branagh gets a little kind of look at the camera, you know, moment. I, th- I think, I, yeah, I just think it would do well if it were just a solid TV show, go back to that let those characters get fleshed out a little bit, cramming this into two hours. If you're going to do it, it needs to be a little bit different. But right. uh, on to the rating system for movies and TV shows and anything else that gets rated on this podcast. There are three and three only or only three choices. Those choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film in this case is something that you really enjoyed. You liked the characters. You liked the movie. You would recommend it to a friend. Bad is something that you did not Hate, but you would not immediately recommend it to somebody. Ugly, absolutely would not recommend it. You hated sitting in the theater. You hate yourself just a little bit more than you already did walking into the theater because you wasted that time of your life. Tim, what do you give Murder on the Orient Express? It's a good, but I like the <laughs> uh, but I like the There's low a question end mark at the end of that. I like the low end of good because I think Brown's performance is, is is really spectacular. It, it's well directed. Um, it's you know engaging enough. It's just I think that the 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 holes that I have are gaping holes that mm-hmm. are, are going to be a problem for some, but there'll be other people who you know I I follow it in the in the sort of the 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 a great movie for a playing category. Mm-hmm. Not maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily seen in the theaters. Maybe you watch on Netflix, but definitely if you were flying from you know. Seattle to New York, or, yeah, something. or you know Seattle to LA, and you need to watch something. You oh, yeah, two pop hours, that yeah. little movie, yeah, pop that movie in, watch it. You'll you'll be like, oh, that was a fun little mystery. It kept me engaged. I'm you know the baby crying in front of me. I can ignore that for a while and, mm-hmm. and focus on this movie. I think it's perfect for that. And okay. it'll, and then it'll find its audience who people who love old fashioned whodunits and you know people who yearn for like, oh, it was really it would have been really cool to travel back then in the nineteen thirties. Mm-hmm. And I'm 
I'm looking at my civil rights and saying, nah, maybe not so much for me, but <laughs> I think I think you, you might appreciate a trip through the the Orient on a, on a train. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll find its audience. Okay, for sure. Nice. Uh, my official rating, I am perfectly in line with you. This is a good because it is a beautiful film, solid acting throughout, you know, just gorgeous film, but did not really hit everything. So it is it is on the border, which I kind of hate to do. But yeah, it is a good. But I think if one other thing had been a problem, it easily would have bumped down to a bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, if, if one of the characters had been either more over the top or less <laughs> like it. Yeah. But every, I, have, I, have, I have a question for you. Uh huh. Do you? So you know, it started kind of funny, and there are some funny moments. Do you think the movie would have been better served had they kept some of the humor throughout? Because it kind of takes a step back when they get into like, oh my god, someone died. We got to find a murderer, mm-hmm. and it becomes kind of this serious like, who done it? Well, and that was another thing that the TV show, the Agatha Christie's Poirot TV show, it did quite a bit. Even in the middle of the episode, in the middle of this murder mystery. I think because of Puero's deliberate arrogance, there were funny moments, right. but it was not trying to be a comedy. So yes, gotcha. I think if if it had done more of that, if there had been moments, again, like that scene between Johnny Depp and uh, Kenneth Branagh, that scene is funny only right. because Kenneth Branagh's Puero is just so arrogant and is just so blunt that it makes it funny without being ha 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 comedy. Yeah. So you're talking, about, you're talking about the scene with the cake? Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> he was like, you know, Johnny Depp is like, well, why won't you take this case? You know, don't you like money? And he was like, I don't like you. You know, so just he didn't like his face. He didn't like his face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that, <laughs> like, like face, that was funny because it was just like, man, like it was just raw. So, yes, yeah. it, it could have used more moments like that. It lost, you know, some of that. Um, so, yeah, we, we will see what this does for the future of. Of these, I feel like Kenneth Branagh. This is probably a passion project. He that he really likes the, these stories. So I feel like if he does more of these, it will be strictly because he likes the character so much. Oh, it definitely is nominated for costume design. Right. Yeah. It. It. Yeah. Yeah. It could. Yeah. 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 It's definitely nominated for costume design for sure. Yeah, I like it. Cool. All right. So that about wraps it up for for this. Uh, week's episode again sorry it is a little bit late uh, but we talked about uh, the 48 hour film project which is coming to seattle this sunday definitely go out and see it i talk about it all the time please support independent cinema in your local community whatever that is even in a huge town like seattle we have these independent you know uh theaters we have these independent film festivals go ahead and support them when you can it really means a lot to these uh artists and the community uh then we talked about the fate of the dark universe Cinematic universe, yeah. which is yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, we pooped on other. We pooped on, you know, Universal and DC Warner Brothers trying to do universes. Yep, just walk before you run, people. Yeah, don't come do on. It. Uh, and then we ended with Murder on the Orient Express, which we both gave a good, but we were not super thrilled about. Uh, yeah. Well, you you know who has a better cinematic universe than DC and and Universal? 21 Jump Street. The Lego movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Lego movies. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Lego movies do. Wait, is Lego Ninjago connected to yeah. Like, yeah, the Lego the Batman and stuff? All the same stuff. Yes, sir. I like it. Well, and that and 
look at CW. Look at what Greg Berlanti yeah. is doing. He yeah. has five shows, soon to be five shows. Yeah. All of them are connected and all of them work on their own and they work when they do team ups. Some more no, some more successful than others, but there's a crossover next week between the Flash and Supergirl. Yeah, uh they're starting the Earth X um crossover. Yeah. I mean those shows are fun. I love those. Well, can shows. you explain what Earth X is to people who don't know? Oh boy. Um Earth X was a weird crossover event that happened in the 90s when people were just crossover event crazy. It was like I want to say late 90s uh it was just a weird limited series that like all of them took place in let me see i pulled it up to remind myself uh so it began in 97 uh oh sorry not earth x earth x is the marvel uh big crossover event the one that they're doing in dc oh, what is it called uh can i remember but they're basically doing another crossover event which they have done Almost every season, yeah, on, on the Berlantiverse, and yeah, those those shows work. Again, Legends might not work as well as Flash. Arrow is still, still kind of weird. Um, it's kind of dark, kind of dark. But the Flash and Supergirl, every episode gives me the feels. I love those they're shows. Fun. They're fun. They're fun shows. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to those. Um, and then uh, yeah, where can people find you? Online, so they, they can, can find me in the streets, homie. No, they can find me. Uh, it's on the internet. You're right, man. They really missed an opportunity with John. Mm-hmm. I want him to get more checks. Uh, no, uh, they can find me on uh, at the peoplescriticblog.com. They can find me on Twitter, People's Critic. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, we've got some reviews coming up for wow, what Justice League? Oh and man, we have three, we have. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, Justice League, Disaster Artist. Disaster Artist. Bunch of stuff. Yeah, a bunch of stuff coming up. It's it's that it's that time of the year. So yeah, be looking out for that. Excellent. Uh and as for this podcast, uh next week's episode is going to be about the Seattle 48 hour horror project, where I will be there doing some interviews. Uh Dr. Andy is going to be making his triumphant return to the podcast after like four months. So we'll be talking about that uh, the week after that. Uh, another friend of ours and part of the Seattle Film Critics Society, Ian Dinsmore, is going to be on the show to help me out with some reviews for some big movies that are coming out. Uh, but yeah, you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About Treeview. Subscribe, excuse me, subscribe wherever you wherever you have podcasts. <laughs> I was just like, I just taking a drink of water while you were talking. And I then could tell. It suddenly popped to me and I had to talk again. Um, uh, anyway, wherever you can find podcast, find find the show, subscribe to it. It is on Apple Podcasts, Blueberry and Podbean, Stitcher, uh, not SoundCloud, Google Play. Uh, I might be on Spotify soon, too. They're going a little bit weird these days, but who knows? What? Uh, so yeah, you can check it out there. Go to aboutreview.com, read the full show notes, support the show by clicking the support tab and give a dollar. Go to aboutreview.threadless.com, pick up a t-shirt. It helps support the show. And also go to youtube.com slash about to review. There is a new video. By the time this drops, I will be putting out uh, the video version of the interview I did with Ian McKenzie from the documentary Amplify Her. Nice. Uh, so that, that will be up there. Thank you for for listening. I I feel like I do not say that enough, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, 
for being patient with me. <laughs> I sometimes forget that people listen, like I said, so thank you for listening. Thank you, Tim, for, for Skyping in and joining the conversation. I appreciate that as well. So for this episode, I would normally point to you, but on this episode, I have been joined by... Uh, this is Tim. <laughs> and I have been your host, that guy named John, and we'll see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.